everyone, welcome to another episode of Opposites React. It is March 9, 2022, episode 111. My name is Sarah and I'm here with Tyler. How are you, Tyler? I'm a little angry right now. What? <laughs> Why are we angry? <laughs> no, my emotions. They last week I was sad. This week I'm angry. Yeah, you're all. Uh, well, no, just because because before we started recording this just now, I read that uh, baseball is still a tire fire. Oh, I saw that they canceled two more series. So now they're saying we can't start till the, at the earliest. They're going to start now is April 14th, and well, I'm not optimistic that's going to happen either. Like, so. do you not? Are you not already in the mindset that we're aiming for May? Yeah, but there was, I just get frustrated because like the last two weeks, every friggin' person on my Twitter timeline, every time there's talks, oh, there's hope, they're going to get this done today, there's some hope, both sides feel good, and then at the end of the day, oh, no, they're, nope, they, they give up again. It's like, well, I don't understand, like, it, it, I know the media has to do their job, but I really wish they just shut up at this point, because I don't want to hear anything until it's actually done <laughs> at this well, point. Well, you know what you could do, not look at Twitter. Apparently, that's not an option, it sounds like. <laughs> well, no, I, Yeah. Well, that's what like 90% of my timeline is probably, though. Yeah, so, so don't look at it. I, I had a huge unfollow spree yesterday, mm -hmm. and I was just like, it feels so good just to have like a few things on there of positive things or just news about games. Like, that's it. It's all I have on there now. It's wonderful. Your cat wants to talk. Uh, she always wants to talk. She's very talkative. Other uh, than that, though. <laughs> you're, you're, you had a good night last night? Yes, last night was very fun. Tell us about last night. The last night, I got to go see The Batman. Oh, how was the Batman? Pretty great. I'm going to actually read, I'll read you a sentence verbatim that I sent to Daniel last night because he told me to text him when I got out of the movie mm. and to give him like a one sentence summary of my impressions. So here's what I sent him last night. Quote, not the best Batman movie ever, but the best portrayal of Batman, in my opinion. Really? So, yes, I... That's contrary to most reviews. <laughs> well, the problem is, okay, so the only negative things people really have to say about this version of the Batman, played by Robert Pattinson, is that he's very one-note, like, emotion-wise throughout the movie. He's, he's very moody and depressed the whole movie. But, again, if you see the movie, you'll understand that is the point. He doesn't... It's a very different portrayal. If you, if you want to just compare, since this is hopefully Pattinson's first... Like, uh, not not his only right. try at Batman. I hope that they'll bring him back for a sequel. But assuming he's not a one-and-done, if you want to compare his first portrayal of Batman slash Bruce Wayne to Christian Bale's first portrayal of Batman Bruce Wayne in Batman Begins, they're very different characters because, uh, like, again, in this one, you barely see, I'm using air quotes here, Bruce mm -hmm. Wayne. He's not in this movie very much. It's the Batman, like, 95% of the time. Whereas I feel like in Batman Begins, you had, like, maybe... 40% Bruce Wayne, 60% Batman, right? Mm. Like, they were trying to do a very different story with Batman Begins compared to this one. Right. But, um, and again, I'm not, like, knocking Christian Bale's portrayal or anything. I love him as Batman and Bruce Wayne. I'm just saying they went a very different direction in this one with Pattinson, and I think it really paid off. Um, okay. I'm, I was super impressed with his, yeah, again, I, I didn't feel like he was one, like, okay, yeah, so you're right. He is very moody and depressed the whole movie, but again, it fits the character and the narrative. If you watch the film, you'll understand. It's not like he's just sleepwalking through this role or not caring. That's far from the truth. He, I think he really put a lot into this role and I think it was important to him. And uh, mm -hmm. like I said, I hope he gets another shot at it because I, I like where this direction is going. Yeah. It feels by now, like most companies would have come out and say there was a sequel already. Like usually the first week after a movie comes out. I'm pretty sure, like, within the next month, the Warner Brothers will announce, like, yeah, we're greenlighting a sequel, basically. I think it, I didn't see the final numbers. I think it did something like $130 million this past weekend, mm -hmm. just in North America. It was, like, 278 worldwide, which is, like, really, really good numbers, I think, for considering we're still, you know, in the COVID situation. Right. 
Because um, they did announce today that there's going to be an HBO Max series. It's about the Penguin from this universe. Yes. So yeah. it's like, okay, well, where's the next Batman of this universe? Yeah. And I'll say the um, casting for this movie was impeccable all around, I think. Mm. I didn't have an issue with any of the... Whereas, like, if you go back and look at Batman Begins, for example... Um, I like most of the casting in the movie. Like, I love Christian Bale. Mm. Liam Neeson was a great mm-hmm. villain. Michael Caine is great Alfred. Um, uh, you know, Katie Holmes in Batman Beyond is oh, yeah, not, not so great. Um, <laughs> but again, Why can, do you think she wasn't in two? Yeah. Um, and maybe just some other, like, the iteration of Carmine Falcone that they had in Batman Begins mm. made sense for that movie, but I think that they did a better job in this movie with the Carmine Falcone character. Okay. I mean, I, I haven't read the comics. I know a lot of people are saying this. A lot of the the versions of these characters you see in this film are very true to the comics. Mm, so that's good. They, they, they nailed that. But yeah, like Colin Farrell is like anybody who's seen any pre-release stuff for this movie knows he's like unrecognizable in this role. Yeah. They got him in a whole bunch of facial, like four hours of makeup. He has to put on all these facial prosthetics, everything to look like in a fat suit and stuff. So, um and I and I when I was, I was again I knew it was him like when I was watching the movie yesterday and a couple of times I could hear his natural accent slip oh, through no. <laughs> a little bit not like it was like a, a goof but just like you can tell he's disguising his voice very much. Well, remember we watched um, Hot Ones, Hot Ones yeah. with him and he said the American accents are the hardest. Right. Yeah, because he is Irish. Um, but no, I, yeah, I the movie is I'm not going to get into spoilers or anything here, obviously, because I mean the movie just came out. I don't want to ruin it for anybody. Um, and I, would, I mean, if you're the kind of person that is not averse to spoilers, then by all means, if you're curious, you can go online and read. I don't think there's any huge like twists in this say, movie. This is not like a movie that you really need to hide anything. No, there's no huge twists in this one. It's, it's. I mean, it's a three-hour movie. It's, it's. Some people have said it's a little long. I didn't feel like I never like want to check my phone or anything. Mm-hmm. But after I got out of the movie, I thought they probably could have trimmed like 25, 30 minutes out of it, really, and not a huge detriment. Maybe my opinion would change on that if I saw it a second time. Maybe. Mm. But I, I thought the narrative was really good, but there are some scenes that kind of drag a bit. Was it too dark visually, though? Not for me. I mean, I can see why some people would have that complaint. Uh, I didn't think that. I mean, again, it, it fits the the direction and the where they're going with the narrative. Right. One thing I will say I loved in this movie that could have been done very corny or could have been a very bad cliche is the use of narration. Oh, the, the, yeah. The, the, the never done a Batman film before, at least not a live-action Batman film. Mm. I can't speak for the animated films, but... Um, the movie basically opens, it, it's it's opened and bookended by narration from Pattinson, mm-hmm. um, where he basically just gives the date, and because like, the movie takes place, basically the movie starts on Halloween, and then ends like a week later. Um, that's so, so it all takes, that's what I like about this too, it's a very condensed, you have like a one week story going on here, it's not spanning oh, wow. months or years or anything, right? It's a very, you know, heavy week of <laughs> stuff yeah. for Batman, right? I even like small touches like... Because, again, the movie basically sets it up so that this is, like, Pattinson is playing a version of Batman where he's only been doing this for about two years. So he's still fairly new to being Batman. Uh, And because of that, like, he, you know, because obviously Batman traditionally goes out at night and and does everything. Like, you know, when the the symbol, when the bat symbol is in the air, Batman comes out at night and does everything. And then he goes back to the Batcave, I guess, and sleeps as Bruce Wayne (laughs) the next morning, right? But because he's always out at night and his days all kind of blend together. In this version, they actually show Pattinson's Batman. Like he has a journal and he, he writes in his journal every day just to keep track of like what he did that day and whether had, he thinks it had any impact, you know, on Gotham. Oh. Because in, at the beginning of the movie, he's very depressed. He feels like he's been doing this for two years. Gotham just keeps getting worse and worse. He's like, am I, am I actually having any impact? Is there right. any point to me doing this? Huh. Um, 
So yeah, like I said, it starts off with a very depressing tone because it's not like you know where Batman's like in the Christian the Christian Bale movies. Obviously, Batman Begins was the origin, but after that, like Batman was mostly seen in a positive way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in this one, it's just very somber <laughs> and um, right. But yeah, no, I, I love the visual direction. They, like the art direction, the cinematography, everything visually about this film was amazing. Um, the music the was Batmobile. fantastic. Oh my God, the Batmobile. I'll get into that another time. <laughs> but yeah, the music too, the the soundtrack, it, it's very just persistent. It's not like uh, the score, I don't want to call it basic because that would be an insult, but I would just say like the... It doesn't overshadow the movie? No, not at all. But just but like... It fits. Yeah, exactly. It's just like a very... Like, very bass heavy like dun 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 you know what i mean like it's just <laughs> and it but it but i was listening to it when i was driving home last night from the theater like i just put the soundtrack on yeah. youtube and listening to it through the car and i was like yeah this this is pretty i'm just vision when i was listening to soundtrack, i was visualizing the scene visualizing sorry the scenes in my head because like it's just again i love how a couple of times early on in the movie when batman is just like um you know, they show him at night doing his usual, like, you know, taking out gangs and, mm-hmm. and just prowling for the criminal element and stuff on the streets. They show, like, this gang chasing, like, the subway stop and they, this gang of, like, hooligans, wherever they chase this guy and they're going to beat him up. And then all you hear is they kind of, like, look into the shadows and all you hear is Batman's head. You hear the heavy footsteps. Mm-hmm. And it takes, like, 10 seconds for him to come out of the shadows, but the footsteps keep getting louder and louder as he, he slowly, you know, walks into focus with the cape behind him. And it's just badass. Like, it's just, <laughs> I don't know. I can't. I don't know. I can't say enough good things about the look of this film. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that it would be right to do like a sequel in the same kind of uh, light, though? Well, that's the thing. I mean, again, not getting into spoilers, but I will say the film, as dark and depressing as it is, it does end on sort of an uplifting trajectory. The last ten minutes or okay. so. So it makes you wonder too where they would go with the sequel. I feel like you can't obviously go back to him just being brooding and depressed all the time. Right. But I don't think it would fit the character either to just do like a 180 and be like oh now he's like happy rainbows and, and butterflies right so I, I would be very curious to see where they take the direction and i read a good um um theory online earlier about what they could do for a sequel mm. uh because obviously like this one had the riddler right yeah and, and Cat- well catwoman wasn't a villain in this one like she's oh. catwoman's never really been a villain per se she kind of yeah. plays both sides but she's never a straight up villain to batman but riddler was the main villain in this one and of course everybody expects the next one, if they do another one, to be the Joker be the villain, just because Joker is one of the most famous Batman villains. But I would love to see, and again, I think it would fit this universe, the feel of this universe, if they tried to do a Mister Freeze, a grounded version of Mister Freeze. Obviously, way different than the Arnold Schwarzenegger version from the '90s. That was just total camp, right? That was the that was the whole point of the '90s one, though. Mm-hmm. But I think they could do, because Mister Freeze's backstory is actually pretty tragic. Like, it's not like he's a crazy villain like the Joker. Like, there's a reason right. why Mr. Freeze is the way he is. If you want to go and read up his back and his backstory, but, like, even the way... I remember the way they portrayed him in the video games, like in the Batman Arkham video games. Okay. Mr. Freeze, his character was pretty cool, and I always thought there was more there mm. that a film could explore, you know? Um, yeah. I don't know, Mr. Freeze, Poison Ivy. I, I'm just... I'm, okay. it, it won't surprise yeah. me if they bring Joker out in the next one, but I would like to see them go a different direction. Yep. I read... I also read another funny theory about... Someone said... You know, obviously, it's been there hasn't been a a Robin in the Batman films since the '90s as well, when it was in. Um, uh, it's been in Lego Batman. I know they're just saying live action, but uh, Dick Dick Grayson. Dick yeah. Grayson. But, so another theory. Obviously, this will never. I'm pretty sure this will never happen. I feel fairly confident, but I think it would be hilarious just to see the internet melt down. Someone said, "Imagine the theory if like there was like a post credit scene." In, there isn't any post credit scene in this one, by the way. But <gasps> imagine if there was one where like. 
Bruce Wayne or, or Batman, I don't know, either one, is just like, I don't know, looking for a Robin, let's say. Hold this, on, yeah. hold on, hold on. Yes, yes. Could they not just copy and paste the one they put after The Dark Knight Rises? Yeah, that was kind of shoehorned in. I don't, I don't why bother doing I, it? I don't understand why Nolan did that if he knew he wasn't going to make another one. Like, like that was so silly. Literally yeah, was take pointless. that out, put it on the yeah. end of this one. There you go. But again, my, my point is, let's say they tried to shoehorn Batman into like a post, or sorry, Robin into a post credit scene or something. Someone said it'd be hilarious to see the internet meltdown if like the if someone shows up and just says, "Hey, I'm Dick Grayson," and it ends up being like Tom Holland. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> But again, I wouldn't necessarily, if it wasn't for all the overexposure with Spider-Man and Uncharted and stuff recently, I wouldn't really mind Tom Holland as a Robin. I, I <laughs> Here could, we go. I, I could see it, but I also feel like it would almost be like a meme at this point. Was, <laughs> I don't know. Was Michael Cera the Robin? He was in, the voice in, in Lego Batman. Lego Batman yeah. Oh yeah, he's yeah. so fitting for that. <laughs> yeah, he, he was a good voice for it. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. No, I. I Tom uh, Holland is a better, <laughs> uh, better Robin than he is a Nathan Drake. I'll say that. To be fair, again, you haven't seen Uncharted, so you can't. I'm not really planning to. Hundred percent. I haven't for seen. Sure. I haven't seen any of his Spider-Mans, and I haven't seen Uncharted, and I have no plans to. But um, going back to the Batman for a second, I do intend to see it again. I really want to see it in IMAX. Of course you do. You want to pay the exorbitant amount of gas money to go yes. see it in IMAX. Yes. Do you at least have a friend that will go with you? Carpool. If, exactly. If I carpool, I'm sure I can c- convince someone to come with me. There you yeah. go. Dan, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, um, nudge. But uh, yeah, so like I, said, I mean, I'm not going to spend too much time into it. I, I do, I will maybe, if I see it again in a couple of weeks, I'll do a spoiler version of the Batman. Mm. I'd love to talk more in depth about some things I liked about it. I'm pretty sure we have to have Dan back on for your No Time to Die spoiler cast also. Yes, that is true. That's another funny thing too is that Dan 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 had told me yesterday when when I went to go see the Batman that one of his friends was going to be going to see it not necessarily maybe the same showing as me but that his other friend was going to see it that night too, and he texted me this morning, and he said here's what my friend here's my uh, what my neighbor said to me this morning quote about the Batman he said it was better than Bond like by an epic mile it was so good now for context Dan said his friend is not. Like, whereas Dan and I are diehard Bond fans, mm-hmm. this guy's a diehard Batman fan. <laughs> so to him, this was like his no time to die. Right. Like, this yes. guy was so hyped for the Batman and it delivered. Right. And I'm glad because... Well, no time to die delivered for you after your wait too. So Exactly. Yeah. I'm glad for both of you. Both parties are happy. Um, what have you uh, been up to recently? Watching a lot of Grow More Girls. <laughs> because Grow More Girls... Man, I'm I'm watching these episodes and, I'm, and before the episode even turns on like when it, when an episode ends and it automatically flips over on netflix i can tell you everything that's going to happen in that episode i can tell you all of the story po- points in that episode and i'm now questioning myself how i know all these things i've watched it so much so i will eat lunch and watch it or anytime i'm waiting for like a video to upload i'll watch it so yeah that's literally all i've been really doing i want to start shally but every time i want to start shally i get busy sophie oh gosh yeah i was gonna say yeah, what do you think no, of shally on the brain um, but yeah, I really haven't been doing much. I don't think I beat anything. Still got to get Lucas uh, to level 80 on Fortnite. That's my mission. March break starts on Friday after yeah, school. We only have like 10 days left to get him there. March 15? That was the 19th. Is it 19? I read 15. I think the battle pass is on the 19th. Okay. So. Well, we have March break to get him there. Mm-hmm. And we need like 35 more levels. So we can so, do it. So you're saying I need to take March break off work. <laughs> <laughs> So we can just play Fortnite all day. Uh huh. I'm okay you, with that. What are you? Excuse me. I can play Fortnite with him too. Yeah, but let's be honest. I'll I'll get excuse him. You? I'll get him there faster. Excuse you. Yes. Who won the game last time? Who sniped the people and stopped them from reviving? I'm not saying you haven't had some clutch. I'm just saying I am the MVP. 
when we play together. Who well, gets I'm the most sorry, somebody that plays Apex. Daily. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm saying I should be good at it because if I didn't, then what the heck am I playing thousands of hours of Apex <laughs> for, right? It's actually funny because when we when we play Fortnite and then I go play Apex afterwards, I feel like I'm a million times better at Apex because it's so much faster than Fortnite. Mm. Like I'm already in, I'm already zoned in because I've. Like, but on the opposite, if I played Apex and go play Fortnite, I'd be like, "Oh my god, this is so slow." <laughs> mm, maybe that's why I can uh, stay alive. Yeah, like we're obviously with very low level people because me and Lucas are very low level players, so it, it's very good at fitting us into the right, the right sorts. Mm-hmm. Like, like I'm sure the normal like people like Ninja are stupid fast. Oh yeah, and I never build anything, so I'm always gonna lose. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we should also talk about before I um, forget to mention it, um, some. Happy news today <laughs> for one of our listeners. I was at work today and you texted me and said, hey, GameStop. GameStop? I always get it wrong. Game, yes. GameStop. Nope. Okay. GameStop. GameSpot. GameSpot is the website. GameStop. Right. GameStop, <laughs> uh, which is a video game store here for those that don't know. Well, they um, have it in the U.S. It's everywhere. I know. I'm just saying. I don't know where our listeners are from. They could be from anywhere. That's yeah. very true. Most people in Ontario probably still call it EB Games anyway. I do. But anyways, they were, they, um, well, you, you must have obviously got a notification, I assume, or something about oh, it. Oh, yeah. Like, I, okay. I promised Dan that I would find him a PS5. It was my goal. And I, all, I, I think Tyler has mentioned before how I love standing in lines, virtual <laughs> lines. <laughs> yes. So I, I, I sent him the tweet that um, they're going to have some PS5s. So I waited in line just in case Dan didn't see it. Um, and then I'm calling him as I'm checking out and I'm like, does Dan still need this? And he's like, he just texted me. He doesn't need it. It's like, okay, good. But he has secured his PS5. Yes. He got himself a nice bundle. Enjoy Horizon. Well, he'll, he'll sell Horizon. Oh, but... poor Aloy. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least he can try and recoup some of that cost. I think he's going he's to try and sell the PS4 on like Facebook Marketplace or something. Mm, so We'll sell it with Horizon. Yeah. <laughs> it's a PS5 version. It's not right? going to go over well. Yeah, it's not great. That's kind of rude. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad. I, I hope he gets it within the next week or so. I'm not sure when yeah, it's going to ship. But uh, they didn't have very many, so it shouldn't be too many to yeah. send out. So shouldn't be too bad. Yeah, he'll be able. I mean, he's got his basement all nicely done now. He's got his mm. nice new TV hooked up, and now he's going to get a PS5. But is the be... white PS5 going to clash with black appliances? That's the worst. That's why I'm waiting. Mm. I'm waiting for like a new color or a slim version. Right. Oh, you can probably give me more context on this. I think Dan said to me his brother-in-law was thinking about buying his son. I'm not sure exactly how old his brother-in-law's son is. I can't remember, but they were going to buy him a Switch. Uh-huh. And he was saying, is it, is it worth it to go for the OLED Switch instead of the regular Switch? For Depends. The price difference? Depends on what. If he's going to use it in docked mode. That's or... exactly what I asked Dan. Dan said he would use it more often in handheld mode. In handheld? Yes. It's better only because the screen is bigger. How much bigger do you know? It's like... I thought it was only like an inch bigger or something. Well, that's... For is like that, a seven-inch screen, that's still a big jump. Yeah, that's true, I guess. Um, But it but, it makes all the difference. Like some games have historically small text that's hard to read. I think it was like... We looked at the prices online. It was like... It's $100 more? But is, was it three? Is it? I can't remember which one I looked at. Was it three seventy nine for the regular or the OLED version? That's oh, that's regular. Regular. So the other one must be like maybe it was four fifty for the OLED. Yeah, I think it's, like it's about a hundred dollars yeah. difference. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's worth it. it. But it's not it's not performance wise better. Right. It's literally only it's if they're the going to play it yeah. in in handheld mode. Yeah. Literally the only reason to buy it. Okay. Like I would do it just because Luke and his nearsightedness, it would have been better for him to right. not be on the smaller switch. Mm-hmm. There is your Sarah's corner on what to buy your children. <laughs> yeah, I think that pretty much catches up what we've been doing for the past week. 
what's what's there to look forward to in the coming weeks? So I mean, obviously, end of the month, the new Kirby game comes in. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, that's I'm. Uh, is that pretty much it for, for that? Yeah, cause I don't think there really there's any other movies coming out that I really want to watch until like next month is Sonic, Sonic Two, and mm. um, there was something else. Oh, Doctor, I think no, I keep getting mixed up. Is it no? I think Doctor Strange is until May, so maybe it's just Sonic next month then. Yeah, pretty light. You gonna take Lucas to the the revamped landmark? Yeah. Have enough room to dance and not bug people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I I got really nothing. Like everybody just still talks about Elden Ring, anyways. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I guess the topic we are talking movies this week, continuing on our our schedule of rotating topics. Um, I was originally going to talk about Batman related stuff, but I'm gonna save that for another podcast. Um, because again, I kind of want to talk more in depth about the one I just saw yesterday, but I can't do that yet because. It's fresh. Anything. So instead, I when I was watching the Batman yesterday, again, I've already mentioned, I've already gushed a few times about it, how much I love it visually. But mm. there's just certain, um, I don't know how I want to phrase it, Cam- not camera techniques or just way that shots are framed. I'm not trying to make this a cinematography thing. I'm just saying, like, I want to kind of discuss a few of my favorite type of like cameras, cameras techniques or movements in films that I I always enjoy seeing. Not that they're not that they're overused. Like it. Uh, okay, go ahead. I don't no, know. Do you, have, do you have an idea in mind of what I'm trying to? Well, like what do you think I might like? Like well, like would this kind of be the way that? Oh my gosh, is it David Fincher? What? I know, I know, I know what you're trying to say. What What is yeah. his name? Yeah, you know, you're right. It's David Fincher. Yep. Uh, like how he directs that, like the way that when people walk, he, he walks, and when people stop, he stops. The, his camera something like that yeah I, I like your idea like again I, i'm not going to mention that one specifically but you're kind of on the right track so one one particular type of camera shot that i love seeing in films if they're done correctly because they can be done lazily as well so it, it takes a skilled director to do it properly but what they would essentially just call the a long take or a single shot oh like um gosh 1917 well, yeah, that's an extreme example because pretty much the whole movie is filmed that way. Mm. But I'm talking more, like, again, I only like it when it's done once, maybe twice. And I, if it's overused, it loses its effectiveness, right? But You'd like 1917. No, no, I know. But I'm saying that's the whole, yeah. <laughs> that was a shtick, though. Right. Movie. I'm, I'll give you a recent example. No Time to Die. <laughs> there is the sequence near the end, like in the final act when Bond has to climb a staircase. Yep. And that whole sequence was shot. It probably, I haven't timed it, but I'd say it's probably somewhere between three to four minutes, the whole sequence. Mm. And it's him just climbing a staircase and killing a bunch of dudes. Right. And grenades are going off. Mm-hmm. And like, he's just, you know, there's close quarters fighting with, it's just, it's mayhem, right? But I love stuff like that where, because obviously the, the choreography, it takes to set up something like that. Like for mm-hmm. the actor to remember yes. all the steps he has to take, especially yeah. when there's an action scene. Um, and you know, the extras all have to be on their mark or the whatever else. Oh, yeah. you know, I mean, like there's a lot. There's lines, so much, so much planning. Lines have to be exactly. Memorized. So much planning goes into a scene. I can just picture. I'm sure there's some situation in the past where directors have gotten lucky and gotten the perfect take they wanted on the on the first try, and that yeah, they're right. done. But I'm sure <laughs> in most cases, there's several sequences, several times you have to shoot that scene. Oh, for until sure. you're satisfied with the result, right? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that's. Um, and again, it's not a surprise that that scene was in no time to die because that same director, the director who did that, he did the same thing in the, uh, he directed the first season of the HBO series, true detective. Oh, and that's the best spe- season. Well, yeah, exactly. And there's a specific, um, episode. And I can't remember if it was episode four or five in true detective, whether he does that exact same thing. There's like a one take shot, but it's much longer. It's like, I want to say it's like five or six minutes and it spans like multiple locations. Like they go between houses and oh. it's impressive. Um, 
another recent example I can think of one where there was a, a one take shot that wasn't as you know intense in terms of like an action sequence. But when I watched Murder on the Orient Express last mm. month on Disney Plus, mm-hmm. the director Kenneth Branagh, who was also the lead character, he there's a sequence where he's walking through a train station and then he's, he he boards the train. So the camera is following him all through the train station as he interacts with all these characters. So again, you have a lot of planning going on with not only the dialogue but all the extras and making sure the shot is framed properly and everything, but he walks through this train station, interacts with a bunch of characters, and he gets on the train, and the camera falls along the windows of the train as he walks through the train and communicates with more people. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was just really well shot, and again, it's, it's an effective way of keeping the viewer's attention. Mm-hmm. You know, you're so engrossed because you're not worried about the sloppy edit or, like, mm. you know, the, the camera is just Fast constantly edits are super annoying. keeping up. Exactly, right? Um, like, if you ha- if you are aware of the edits, they're doing it wrong. No, exactly, yeah. But it's funny, you, I'm going to segue to that now. Since you mentioned edits, um, that's one thing I do love about most of Christopher Nolan's films is the way he uses editing. It's probably no surprise that his films have such good editing because the editor is actually his wife. <laughs> right. Um, and, I'm, I again, I haven't fact-checked this. I don't think... She's been the editor on most of his films. I don't think all... I think there's a couple of films she wasn't the editor on, but for the most... I, I'm pretty sure off the top of my head, I think pretty sure she did Memento with him, Insomnia. Can't remember if she did The Prestige. I want to say she did. She definitely did the bat, like the Batman films. Mm. And probably... I think she did Inception as well. But anyways... Uh, but specifically, there's a couple of shots I can think of in his films that I love the quick editing. And when I say quick, when I say quick editing, I, I mean like it's... There's no, like, Nolan doesn't do the thing where, like, he ends the scene with, like, a fade to black or, like, a, a weird edit to, like, you know, like, his edits, are, his edits are quick. Like, literally just, like, the shot ends, boom, quick to the next scene. Right. Like, it's just instant, instantaneous. But it's done effectively in a couple of specific situations I can think of. Number one, in the film he did, he called Insomnia with Al Pacino and Robin Williams. Mm. There's a scene where Pacino is, near the beginning of the film, he's he's a, he's a police officer uh, or detective, and he's... um. He's at a, a mor- He's at the morgue. Uh, they're doing an autopsy on a victim, mm. um, and they're discussing, like, just like you know, they're going over the the, the body. Like, as a female is a female victim. They're going over the bruises and the like, the ligature marks and stuff she had in her body. And and as Pacino is sort of like d- touching and discussing the body, they, they, you know, he'll mention he'll mention scenes like they're pretty sure like it was a man that killed the woman, right? And he'll say things like he kind of like you know touches her hair and he, he notes like oh the killer like washed her hair and then it'll, it'll just like quickly edit to like a shot of the killer washing the hair like you're not seeing his face or anything uh, but just like a, okay. as, he, as he's discussing the the shots on the body it's like quick cutting to like the killer a flashback right thing. but again it's not treated again like like a one like a one like it, it could have just been like oh here's what i think happened cut to a flashback for like two minutes go back to the morgue it's like the shots boom, are interspersed boom. between yeah right um and again, they've probably done that stuff before, like CSI shows and stuff, or like Law and Order. Yeah, I can but see, like, but it always has like the corny sound effect right, with it and stuff yeah. too. Like, so, and you know it's coming. This was done really effectively, I thought. That, that scene always sticks with me in the movie. And another one that's one of his more famous films, obviously, The Dark Knight. A great shot where, and again, I mean, sorry, minor spoiler here for anyone who hasn't seen The Dark Knight by now, but in the right in the middle of the movie, after um, like Harvey Dent gets burned when mm-hmm. he becomes Two Face. Oh, um, so he's. Are you doing the walk away from the hospital? No, no, no. Okay. No, no. My specific. Okay. Do you remember the scene in the movie where? So this is after again. Um, Joker has basically escaped from the police. He's blown up. Um, Rachel and Harvey Dent got yes. burned. Right. And so then Bruce, sorry, Batman. Well, Batman slash Bruce. He's talking to Alfred about a story that Alfred told him earlier in the movie, where Alfred 
when Alfred was like a um, was in the military in his younger years, and they talked about how they were tracking a guy, tracking a thief in the forest in the in Africa or something, and he was stealing diamonds and throwing them away from the tribes or whatever. And right. Anyways, so when Batman is at this point, he's distraught because Joker's escaped, Rachel's dead, Two Face. I mean, yeah. Harvey Dent got burned, and everything. And Batman's like, he says to to Alfred, he's like. Um, He's like that uh, that story you told me earlier about the thief in the forest in Burma or something. I'm trying to remember the exact sequence now. I hit like the lines, but he says uh, that thief. He's like, "Did you catch him?" And Alfred says, "Yes." And then Bruce says, "How?" And then Alfred just says, "We burned the forest down." And as soon as he says that, it quick cuts to Two Face waking up in the hospital with his scarred face. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like that the the line ending on like we burned the forest down, and then boom to cut cut to, to yeah. Dent being Two Face. Because such an such an eloquent timing, right? That yeah, it's so involved. And, like, and again, oh. no no soundtrack or anything, no yeah. huge like musical cue. To, it's yeah. just like boom, quick shot to the. I, I love stuff like that where you're just instantly into the next scene, and it's well. Like, sometimes like when the music builds and right. then like, the music cuts and it goes to the next scene. Yep. Like sometimes that's effective too, but I do and I do understand where it's like, man, you have to have that such on a perfect frame to make that work. Mm-hmm. Um, I really appreciate those kind of things. Yes, um, I was thinking of another. I guess camera type of movement you could talk about is um, I guess you can call it like a panning a pan away dolly shot from a character okay so I'll give us a specific example um, the ending of you know I love this movie anyways the ending of Smoke and Aces yeah um, again I guess minor spoiler for anybody who hasn't seen it um, I'm not going to ruin the whole plot here but the movie ends with basically Ryan Reynolds character he's one of the protagonists of the film uh, he's in a hospital room and he's Again, I'm not trying to give away spoilers here. No, no, I'm not going to spoil it. I'm just going to say he's in a hospital room and um, he's going to do something that's basically going to end his career as a law enforcement officer. But he he does something that he thinks is right. And as he commits this offense, I guess you could say, he the the camera is just focused on him the whole time. Like Mm -hmm. he he basically takes out his gun, puts it on the ground, puts his gun and badge on the ground because he knows again that he's going to get in trouble for this but he so the and the soundtrack is what plays a huge part of the scene too right but the camera just slowly pants away from him for like a minute as you're just sort of left to focus on him and his mm-hmm. what he what his consequences of the actions are mm-hmm. and i don't know i just i love stuff like that where it's there's a lot of directors that like doing those like kind of but it can become shots. corny very fast it can be yes uh in this context it was done really well um there's another sequence there's another, not a sequence right well there's another film entirely altogether uh, that I do like but I found the one shot in the film very very funny I don't think it was intended to be funny but it was funny there's a scene in the movie uh, Inside Man with Denzel Washington yeah. that was done by Spike Lee there's a scene where um, something dramatic happens at the end of the, in the last act of the movie and the camera the, the dolly is on Denzel as he's basically not running to to the crime scene but he it almost looks like he's on a scooter or something because the camera is based like the dolly is sped up uh, I think the intention is to it focuses on him as he's dealing with the actions of something that just happened. Right. But it almost looks like he was just like sitting on a scooter or something, and it sped up. It's unnatural. Yeah, it, it looked really weird. Yeah. And I get the effect they're going for, but I admit, I think people in the theater laugh when they saw it because they were just like, <laughs> "That's just so." It seemed kind of out of place. With the rest of the film, you know, what like I mean? would you? What would you rather? Like, would you rather the camera like kind of have a bounce effect when he's running? So to more, look more natural? I don't even know how I would have done it, honestly. Like, I'm not going to criticize that because I think Spike Lee is a great filmmaker. Yeah. I, and I, I'm sure there was the, the intention. I'm sure if I watched some behind-the-scenes commentary on it, there'd be, he could probably explain his meaning behind that scene. Mm. But it just always stuck out to me as being weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, what would you call the the scene from the first Kingsman, like the Freebird scene? Well, it's essentially a one-take action scene. Would that be one? Yes. I Well... 
yes and no because there is some edit in there, right? Like they do cut back sometimes to Samuel Jackson's reaction when he's outside the church, but that was like I really enjoyed the cinematography. I know you said you didn't want. Well, to that that yeah, I think that scene took weeks to plan because yes. you had so many extras and like Colin Firth did all his own stunts himself, which was awesome in yeah. that scene. And yeah, that was that was intense. Um, I don't like Freebird because it gives me PTSD from Rock Band. <laughs> But, uh, but the music did fit. But the scene. music fit yeah. the scene, and but I think the choreography and oh for sure yeah. the cinematography and the editing that went into that made that scene hundred percent amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll, I guess I'll mention this. So one thing I liked also, but that can also tie into the Batman that I just since I just saw it again. <laughs> the Batman does a great job of using silence okay. uh, to emphasize. Well, would that not be like the footsteps? No, not even that. I mean, not even in action scenes or dramatic. I mean, just like in tense situations, Mm -hmm. like crime scenes and stuff like that. Like, there's a scene in that movie where towards the end when, like, Batman is investigating the Riddler's apartment and there's, like, a cop standing guard outside the apartment, right? And Batman's walking through and he's, like, looking for clues. Mm. And he, you know, so he picks up a piece, like, something that was in an evidence bag or something. And the cop's just like, hey, you you can't touch that. And Batman, like, he just, just, like, kind of stares at the cop, doesn't say anything, just stares at him for a few seconds. Mm. And the cop's just like, "Uh, okay, whatever. And then Batman goes to, like, do something else in the crime scene. And the guy's like, he tries to stop him again. He kind of looks at him, doesn't say anything, just, like, that silent, I don't know. Like leave me alone type look. Right. Well, so, you have to have good facial expression as an actor yeah, to get that across. Exactly. Though. That doesn't always <laughs> happen. Um, but I was gonna say one specific scene from The Departed, mm. one of my favorite Scorsese films. Um, and I'm not sure how much you remember. I know you've probably seen the film no. once or twice. You're not gonna mm-hmm. remember. Okay, there's a sequence in the middle of the film. I like remember Dropkick Murphys. <laughs> yeah. There's a sequence in the middle of the film where. Um, so two of the main characters in the film are uh, DiCaprio's character, um, Billy Costigan. I'm trying to remember the names. And Matt Damon's character was... Damn it, I cannot... Why can't I remember Damon's character's name? Anyways, DiCaprio and Matt Damon are two of the main characters in the film. And like one is a cop and one is like an ex-cop who's basically a, a infiltrated the mob, right? Okay. And... So like neither character is really aware of each other because they're on opposite. They don't. They're not aware of each other's role in the operation, uh-huh. right? Of the, of the of the sting with the mob. So Irish mob, I should say. Uh, but there's a scene where DiCaprio's character is kind of like on the run because his someone in the police, the unit that knew who he was, got killed. So he's worried he's gonna get found out. So he's trying to like pack up and and escape and. Throughout the film, like DiCaprio's had a cell phone on him that only the cops would call him on, and the the cell phone starts ringing, and it's the number of the cop that is supposed to be dead. Oh, so DiCaprio's very hesitant to answer. Obviously, he figures someone's trying to, you know, figure out who he is. Right. But the so the phone, and again, this I think the, I think the department came out like oh six or something. So this is like before the age of smartphones and stuff, right? right. So in a lot in the film, they use flip phones a lot. Probably because, again, it's just like quick burner phones, right. stuff like that, right? Yes, but still, so DiCaprio's character has like a little flip phone sitting on the table and it starts vibrating. Like it's not a ringtone, it just starts vibrating. Right. And he's, then he stares at it and he sees the number, right? And he just lets it keep ringing. And on the other end of the line, you have Matt Damon's character who who found the phone. He's trying to call to find out who DiCaprio is, right? Right. So they're both just like staring. There's no mute soundtrack or anything in this scene. There's just like the vibrating phone and Matt Damon's staring at the phone waiting for him to pick up. And then eventually DiCaprio picks it up and he goes to answer it. Like he puts the phone to his ear. And then there's just silence. Like, he doesn't say anything. He's just listening on the other end of the line. You just, like, the, both characters are, like, listening to each other just breathing. <laughs> and, and it sort of cuts back and forth between them, like, four or five times. The sequence takes, like, a minute altogether. There's no dialogue at all. It's just the two guys, like, 
breathless on the phones, and then eventually DiCaprio hangs up and like throws the phone away. And then Damon's character, they just show him like just sitting at the desk staring at the phone, and he's just like, "What do I do now?" Right? Mm. But the whole sequence is no dialogue for like at least two, three minutes, and just the vibrating of the phones, the silent breathing on the phone. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I I love that sequence. It just and my problem is it as much as I love another film that I love, you know that I love is it's called The Drop. Yes. The one with Tom yes, Hardy and yes, James Gandolfini. They kind of rip that scene off, like almost verbatim in the drop. There's right. a sequence near the end where Tom Hardy picks up a phone that's this time it's ringing, not vibrating. Tom Hardy picks up a phone, and he's just listening on the other line. And again, it cuts back to the other guy, and there's like there's no, there's no dialogue. Like it's I, I can't say for certain that it was ripped off from The Departed because I know obviously the drop is based on a novel. But I don't remember that specific scene being in the novel. Mm. So I feel like it was. They were doing it as like an homage or something to The Departed. But still. Um, every time. Okay. This is an aside. Yes. Every time I think of phones. <laughs> I think of that movie where Ryan, and Ryan Reynolds was buried alive. Yes. And called, that called scares buried. the yes. crap out of me. <laughs> like That specific movie? Yeah. Or? The movie. But then I all, it always comes to my brain that never have your phone on vibrate because it wastes more batteries. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Put it yeah, on the yeah. ringer. And that just has stuck with me forever. And then I think about that movie and claustrophobia and it is awful. Good movie. But yes. <laughs> it is. Yes. No, thank you. I will not be watching that again. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. I mean, it's funny. Like when you talk about, if you want to talk about on the flip side, camera sequences or camera stuff that I that annoys me in terms of like cliches, a lot of it ties back to horror films because, oh. and again, I understand it. It's hard nowadays to make an effective horror film because everything's mm-hmm. been done to death. Mm-hmm. Like horror films have been around for decades, mm-hmm. um, and you know, but you can tell like a good horror film from a lazy horror film, and there are many lazy like straight to dvd or straight to streaming type horror films i wonder if that's like the most the biggest <laughs> oh for sure it is because, because most most horror films are low budget like they're easy to make and i'm not even Blair talking Witch about project I'm not, even, yeah, I'm not even talking about just because of that stuff like Blair Witch project or paranormal activity where mm. it's all just that found footage stuff i just mean in general like you can make a fairly generic horror film with like mm-hmm. vampires or zombies or something well yeah jump scares but like specific sequences say for example you've seen it a million times in horror films a character is looking through something oh say, i was 100 percent gonna say like say, looking through a window a, a keyhole on a door looking under a door looking at a window you know there's gonna be a jump scare that's it's always just, reminds me of saw 2 the beginning yeah. of saw 2 the keyhole it's just like ah yeah, no it's horror 101 um and what other like horror type cliches are there with camera stuff? Well, okay, you know, like if a camera is, or sorry, not camera, if a character is walking into a dark room and the camera is just like, you know, following him as he walks and then it'll um, pan behind him, right? And there's nothing there. And then it pans back the other direction and then it'll pan back behind him. And then all of a sudden someone's like standing right behind him, yep. right? Like, you know, like when the camera is moving like around the room, oh, eventually there's going to be someone's going to just show up behind him. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be like that yeah. screeching sound effect. Like, oh my God. But <laughs> I don't know. I it's Like what's the last movie that actually scared you? In ter- well, in terms like, okay. So like give me like a, an effective jump scare that I hadn't seen before. Type sure. thing. Um, it's a good example. Like, I don't watch a ton of horror, but I'm trying to think of something, even something that's just like creepy that really unsettled me in a film. Um, I just assume it's been a while. It has, but I no, definitely there have been some that <laughs> you got me thinking now. Hang on, hang on. What's the last like really creepy movie that? Okay, I'll put it this way too. Like it's not often that I see horror films in theaters. Mm-hmm. So I used to actually, I honestly, I remember seeing horror films when I was like a teenager, even like a preteen in theaters. If I knew certain things were coming, I would just like close my eyes and wait for the sound <laughs> effect. 
I'd wait for that musical sting or like yeah. that to know that like someone got jump scared. Yeah. Um, God, you know what movie? And now you got me thinking. You know what movie really overused jump scares so much? And it, it wasn't even a good film. It's it's a it's a okay like thriller. There's a movie that came out in the mid two thousands, um, with Robert De Niro and Dakota Fanning, and it's called Hide and Seek. And in that film, there's at least at least I don't know. I want to say eight or nine times where there'll be a jump scare like there's specifically like one you mentioned where like a character is walking through a house and like they're like locking all their doors and windows and they look yeah. out a window and someone's just standing out there in the rain mm -hmm. they jump scare them mm -hmm. there's another one like i just said where someone opens a like a cop is investigating a house and he opens a door looking for the killer and uh well because i think what happened i remember what happened is the killer like turned off the lights in the house so the cop is going to like the Again, I don't know how the cop knows where it is, but the cop goes to this closet where, like, the panel, the breaker box is or whatever. Mm. And the cop is trying to turn the lights back on. So he flips all the breakers back on. And then he'll, like, the door is, like, blocking your, like, the door is beside the character, right? So you know the killer's oh, going to be behind the door. Right. Like, once the cop closes the door, the killer's going to be there. Right. So they fake you out at first. So the cop goes to close the door. And then, like, a broom falls out of the closet. And the guy uh, opens the door again and puts the broom back. And then as soon as he closes the door, the killer's, like, whacks him over the head. Ugh. But... Yeah, and of course, they, the thing that ruins that movie, too, is that every time there's, like, a jump scare, it's, like, that that musical shriek. Oh, it like, telegraphs like it. Yeah, exactly. You know it's coming, so that really annoyed me. Would, uh, would How about the movie with the blind guy? Sorry, which... Uh, the one where uh, some the people the kids try to rob him, but he... Oh, yeah, that, that Don't Breathe. Don't Breathe, yeah. yeah. That is was... I remember if that one and again that movie had its fair share of jump scares. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll give you that. There was one good sequence in that film, which it's been done before in films. Like, if anything, it's it's an homage to like Silence of the Lambs had a more effective type of the sequence. But in Don't Breathe, there's a sequence where these like young adults who broke into this guy's house and and he's a blind guy. So they they go to the base. Like he basically chased them into the basement, and then um he he turns off all the lights in the yeah. house right so the director basically uses like a, like a, a night vision camera mm. so it shows the characters like stumbling around in the dark like they can't see where they're going so you just see them like you're, you're seeing them in like full like black and white like infrared type view right, right? but you see them just kind of like stumbling around they're trying to feel their way around and you just see like the killer just like standing there like they, <laughs> they don't know they're gonna bump into him because he knows the layout of the yeah, basement of and they don't so they're just like feeling their way around these shelves and everything, and the guys are like standing there waiting for them. That was really unsettling. Yeah, because there's no like no music in that sound or in that scene either. It's just like they're like fumbling around. I think eventually one of them accidentally like turns on a fan. Oh, and then they get they get spooked by the sound of the fan, and then like the killer knows where they are, and then it's that was a good sequence. I'm I, surprised I, the director would use infrared or night vision. Why it's that? a choice. I don't know. Like they could have just done it pitch black, and nobody would know what's going on. I guess. Yeah, but, but it's just spooky because you're just seeing when you especially when you look at like, if someone's in the pitch dark and you're looking at them through like night vision infrared are you just seeing like their eyes are just like these little dots right i just because feel like i'm watching a ghost show right like a ghost finding show yeah. <laughs> um yeah, it's a good, that's a good example that you brought up but um i don't know whatever. i don't know horror these days is just not what it used to be no but that it's can mostly blood and gore and who can be grosser to be fair, there was a lot of that in the 70s and 80s, too. It's just obviously technology and, and special effects have improved. But even going back and watching something like the original, like The Thing from like 1982, the mm -hmm. Kurt Russell one with the John Carpenter did, that movie, it, the, the effects still hold up amazingly because they use practical effects and not like CGI that's just outdated. Right. They use practical effects, mm -hmm. even stuff like the original Alien. Like that was a just a practical guy in a suit. Right. It wasn't, they didn't use CGI in the 70s like that, right? So... 
or the or the, pre, the old Predator films still hold up pretty well because again it's all practical. It's just a guy in a suit. But um, yeah, I don't know. Um, or, yeah, I've never been a huge horror buff myself, mm-hmm. but uh, it's an interesting genre. Definitely a lot I've, of variety in there. Yes, but it can be good and bad. I would say my like biggest pet peeve for editing. Mm is definitely action scenes that have such quick cuts that oh. I have no bloody clue what's going on. Absolutely. I mean, it, it was a stylistic choice at the time. I don't necessarily think it holds up anymore, but the a couple of the Bourne films. What? But the third one made up for it. The second one specific, The third one was better than the second one. The second one had a few scenes where it was almost like a headache trying to watch the action scenes. Oh, I remember that. You showed me that, yes. You remember the second one when he's fighting the dude in the house? Yes. And I love the, f- the choreography of the scene. I just yeah. wish I could see more of it. Exactly. <laughs> like, you know the they worked edited. on it, and I'm sure it was yeah. great, but you, you'll, you'd never know by watching that. The, the whole shaky cam action thing uh, is, it's yeah. It's, I'm, I'm glad it's a trend that has gone away for the most part. Most skilled directors have gotten away from it. Um, it's easy for low-budget people to do, obviously, because... Well, it's a headache for editors to do, though, too. Like, they don't want it yeah. to look like that. I mean, if you want to talk about bad editing, there's nothing worse, in my opinion, than... And I haven't seen the movie, thank goodness, but if you just watch some clips on YouTube, the last Resident Evil movie they did... Oh, the with, one without Mila Jovovich? No, the one with... The last one that Mila Jovovich did. Oh. Yeah. Before the editing, Monster Hunter? Yes. But I thought there was a new Resident Evil movie with that, that was based on, like, the... Right. Mansion. Yeah, I'm talking Not about that one. I'm talking about the last, like okay. the last the version the of the Jovovich okay. chapter. There's like six of them, I think. Okay. But the last one they did. Oh my god! Go online, and look up a couple of the scenes from that movie. The editing is ridiculous. I oh. think you can count like 50 edits in like Ooh, 10 seconds. Yeah, like, it's just, my kind of it's jam. just you can't even see anything <laughs> that's going on. It makes no sense. I want somebody to like re-put it together. Oh, <laughs> you can tell just... so many stories. Like you could you could jumble that all up, and it would be just as like. The same exact thing. You poop out. Like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> just put a beginning and an end and jumble a whole bunch of punches together and done. Or or one of the best examples. I know I've shown you this before. Do you remember the third Taken movie with Liam Neeson? Um, no. Do you remember, remember you showing me a sequence where he climbs a fence? Oh, and yes. <laughs> they keep cutting when he's climbing. Because it's not him climbing no, it. Of course And not. they're trying to hide you the fact hide that it's not. It. I mean, again, it's Liam Neeson's like 65 years old. He's like me climbing a, an eight-foot fence. Don't put it climbs. in the movie, then. That's what I mean. Don't, don't, don't show 12 cuts of a guy climbing no, a, a, a chain-link fence. <laughs> find a different way. Break through the, like the back door of a building oh, or something, but don't do that. That scene has been memed so many times. Uh, it's hilarious. See what you think? <laughs> you, 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 like, uh, I hate when a movie... Good nor or bad is just remembered by this one yep. snafu, and that's it. <laughs> that's all she wrote. All right, let's wrap this up. Um, I know we kind of rambled on at the end there a bit. I apologize. What should our email discussion for the week be about? I guess people can message us uh, about any specific um, camera or editing choices that they like or don't like in films. Put it that yes. way. You can mention specific films or directors that you like. I'd like to hear some examples, or if you want to agree or comment on some of our examples, that's fine too. And what is the email link, Sarah? When opposites react at gmail.com. <laughs> I always use that same cadence every time. I do. Yes. Um, all right. Well, that will wrap this up. But, uh, anyways, I hope you guys like the show tonight. I hope, if anything, uh, maybe I've encouraged you to go see The Batman if you were on the fence the about Batman. it. I hope that the discussion tonight about some of those film techniques or camera movement stuff was interesting to you um, every time you talk about something like this though then i start counting like edits and scenes that i'm watching know, right? and it's like yeah. i'm very hyper focused on it <laughs> and it's it's good and bad yeah that's true <laughs> but anyways anyway, i hope you guys like the content tonight and um we'd love to hear from you you know we always appreciate your support 
and next week will be about video games. The right? video game. Um, I don't have a topic ahead of time, so I won't give you any kind of a teaser for that. But uh, the video I'm game. Sure, I'll figure out something. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for listening. Um, again, we always appreciate your support, and we'll be back same time next week. Of course. Bye.